This morning's reading is taken from 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 to 16, and can be found on page 358 of the Pew Bibles. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kirath ravine near the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have instructed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerat Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Some time later, the brook dried up, and caused... And because there had been no rain in the land, then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Seraphith in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have instructed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Seraphith. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar? so I may have a drink. As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not used, be used up and the jug of oil will not, be, will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Thanks, Sharon. Simon's going to share from that word now, so Simon, can you come and uh, pray for you, and then if you share with us from God's word. Father God, thank you for this man of God. Thank you for Simon. Thank you for the gifts you have given him. And as we pray, as he brings your word to us this morning, that you would anoint him, give him power from the Holy Spirit, just to say what it is you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. It really is wonderful to be here, and it is a privilege, as always, um, to open God's Word, um, which Sharon read for us um, from 1 Kings, um, the story and, and the, the reality of Elijah, and some of the 
more difficult steps of his ministry. And at harvest time, we're particularly reminded of God's faithful provision, even in the most unusual of ways. And we can take the opportunity to give thanks for what God has provided in answer to our daily prayers. And we were letting that earlier, give us today our daily bread. Harvest is a special time of remembering that God is in control. And it's also a poignant time to remember that by the word of God, all things occur. At the center of our passage of scripture today is God's word. Um, and it's not only the pulse of this narrative of the prophet Elijah and those he engages with, but it's also the pulse of our lives. As the provision of God, the word declared, and the response of faith shape every day. The word of God is the pulse. The word of God is the rhythm in which life takes shape. And we see this panning out through that chapter. It's the word of God, Elijah declares in verse 1. It's the word of God which provides for Elijah's needs. It's the word of God that directs Elijah to go to the ravine. It's the word of God which sets Elijah off to Zarephath in verse 8. It is the word of God which provides, uh, promises provision and provides hope in verse 13. And it's the word of God which proves truth in verse 16. The word of God is the pulse, the rhythm of the passage, and it's the word of God which needs to be our heartbeat in our lives. It's food for thought, isn't it? How has God's word guided you recently? How has God's word guided you recently? There's also food for thought. How has God's word guided you recently that you weren't aware of? Guided you to a person? Guided you to a place? Guided you to a conversation? Guided you to meet a need? How has God's word guided you? The prophet Elijah is described in a very normal way, and I, I take encouragement from people described in very normal ways. And he's, he's like us. He comes from a place, and that place holds some roots for him, and a context in which he lives and in which he ministers. And, but very few of us have some of the opportunities that Elijah possesses. You may have. I certainly don't have the opportunity to walk into the royalty of the land, into the leaders of the nation, and advise them. Elijah has that opportunity, and he comes to King Ahab with a message. A message from the Lord. A message of a weather report. But there's going to be no rain for several years. And it's a challenge from the Lord to where we should put our trust. Where we build our hope. You see in the text in front of us, King Ahab, uh, if you look back into chapter 16, King Ahab, like many others, had built his hope in the idols of human hands and in the apparent security of power and authority. He had built his hope on the boughs, the ashers, the false idols, 
of fertility. But yet it's God's word that ultimately is in control. As verse 1 states, nothing happens except by God's word. And it's the word of the Lord that does not depart. And the passage is very swift in his movement. And once the challenge has been spoken, the word of the Lord once more gives direction. So often when we meet with someone, we don't know what to do next. Well, the Lord of the word guides us. And he guides Elijah to the brook of Cherith in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. Where we see God continuing to provide for Elijah in his need. In the most unusual way, by bird airdrop. By bird airdrop as he commands the ravens to fly in the food. One commentator says, cook well, eat quickly as the roadkill gets delivered by the ravens. But this is the Lord providing for Elijah in a time of great need. And there are unmistakable echoes here. Unmistakable echoes of the provision for the Israelites in the desert wanderings after the exodus. And it is a reminder to us that the Lord always provides. We sung hymn number 80 there earlier, Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord always provides. And when we feel we ought to say something, but we're not sure how, or if we feel that we're moved to give something, but we're not sure where that's going to come from, or we feel like we need to speak, but we don't know what to say, well, don't worry, don't fret. The word of the Lord comes when we need it. Where the Lord speaks when we're unsure. The word of the Lord is constant and faithful. The word of the Lord. How do we recognize the word of the Lord? How do we know it's the Lord speaking? For Elijah, there's great courage in responding to the word of the Lord to get up and go to King Ahab and give him a direct message that would result in his exile, his hiding for his own security takes courage. How do we act on that courage? Well, it is because of the confidence that we have in the word of the Lord. And it always comes back to relationship with God. It is in relationship with God that we recognize his word, understand his word, and know what his word means. Both the written word in our scriptures, but also that voice of the Lord that comes through our mind. The speaking of the very faithful and constant living God. Now, very few of us, as I said, will have the opportunities to speak the word of the Lord to monarchs and rulers like Elijah. And it's easy for us to say, well, actually, this passage doesn't apply to me. I'm not a spokesperson. But yet, we all have a different opportunity and you here this morning have opportunities that Trevor and I do not have. You have opportunities in your workplaces. You have opportunities in your home. You have opportunities with your neighbors. You have opportunities to share the word of the Lord. How you are best suited to do that. Through the gifts that God has given you. 
It is the word of the Lord that speaks through us to share the good news of Jesus and challenge this world in love. To challenge the world in love where hope really dwells. One encounter at a time. For where the good news is sown, a harvest will come. In our garden at home, um, in Longford, we're only there two years now, it's, it's only beginning to take root as such, uh, but when we moved in, we built a new vegetable garden at the front of the house, raised beds uh, by nine by two sleepers, and we built these beautiful raised beds, uh, filled them with soil, and we graveled around them, and I said, no, we need to build a fence. We built a fence in front of them to keep the dogs and children in, to keep them safe, um, and I had a brainwave one morning. And I went out and planted nasturtiums because my brainwave was the nasturtiums will climb up the fence and will look beautiful. And they did. And they were. Except there was only one problem. My wife hates nasturtiums. <laughs> and the nasturtiums were given the death throes and were commanded to be gone uh, the next year. Gardeners, you know what nasturtiums do. I knew what nasturtiums did. They seed. They seed very readily. And sure enough, this spring, up comes an abundance of nasturtium seeds, and down went the penitent husband to weed them out. <laughs> well, the word of the Lord that we sow in people's lives is not nasturtiums. The word of the Lord we sow in people's lives is the truth of Jesus Christ. It is the true hope of this world. It is the true importance of this world. And where we sow that word, it will take root. It will take root. And where we sow that word with prayer and encouragement and faithful requesting of the Lord, we hope and long and will see a harvest. Where that word of the Lord is sown by God's grace, it will take root bringing hope, bringing life. He is the one who provides. He is the one who speaks truth. May I take you back to our garden again? Um, and in the process of building those raised beds last year, I brought in some uh, manure from a local dairy farmer, one of my parishioners. Um, it was a great um, consistency of manure um, to enrich the soil that we had. But everything came up shriveled and twisted and uh, necrotic in growth. And after a bit of scratching of the heads, going, is this frost damage initially, depending on the species we worked it out, it was a residual herbicide. Knocked us for six. Um, but the process of that too is our sunflowers, we planted about ten of them, our sunflowers came up twisted and gnarled and dwarfed. And when they put on flower heads, amazingly they did, they didn't have any petals just a bunch of seeds. They were most unusual. And there wasn't just one sunflower head per stalk, there was about 10 of them, little tiny ones. Most unusual. Well, we gathered the seed at the end of the year. We put it by and we planted them out this springtime going, these will never grow, will they? They've grown in such adversity, they've grown in such a toxic environment. How can this seed ever take root and grow? And sometimes in ministry we say that, don't we? We plant seeds and go and... We plant a seed of hope into a, into a household that's toxic. How will this grow? 
when we plant a seed in someone's life, it just seems a mess and go, how will this grow? But the Lord is faithful. And sure enough, those sunflowers that we planted, those seeds we planted from last year, those toxic seed displayed themselves in about 100 blooms along the front wall this year. Perfectly healthy. Perfectly as they should be. A marvel to God's creation. Well, we only have to look around us today, don't we, in the world to see so many traumas. The, world, the word crisis seems to be everywhere in every news report. Have you been aware of that? <laughs> Energy, crisis. War, crisis. Domestic abuse, crisis. Famine, crisis. Housing, crisis. Food, crisis. Flooding, crisis. The word crisis seems to be everywhere. Crisis after crisis. And partly that is because we know from the scriptures. Because ears have gone deaf to the word of the Lord. The ears have gone deaf to the word of the Lord. There are places of great wealth like Saudi Arabia building huge skyscrapers. And you look at them and marvel at it. But you know that was built on the back of others. The world is in upheaval. The world is toxic. But yet, in amongst that, the word of the Lord is sown and it takes root and it grows. Does God ever give up? That was one of the school kids in our school asked me the other day uh, when I was in the playground. He said, does God ever give up? And I went, no. Go, How do you know God didn't give up? Now, the conversation, by the way, was about football. I don't play football, so I have to sidetrack it to something I did understand. But now God does not give up. I said, if God gave up, the Bible would only be three chapters long. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. There wouldn't be any more. God did not give up. Because he planted his word into his creation to take root and grow so that he may marvel with them but also that we may glorify him for the healing and the wholeness of the world that comes because of his word, becomes because of his cross, that comes because of his grace. It is the word of the Lord who speaks through us to share the good news of Jesus one encounter at a time. First Kings chapter 17, there's a marvelous situation. First of all, Elijah is fed by air bird drop, but then he is called to move on to a place called Zarephath, which is the modern day Lebanon. He's brought there by the word of the Lord, and he's brought there to meet with a lady and a child who he doesn't know. Her name is not even given in the passage. He's brought there to meet with her. And when he meets her, he does as the word of the Lord instructs him. He asks for hospitality. He asks for a place to dwell. He asks for a place of refuge. He is a sojourner. He is an alien. He is a traveler in a foreign land. He asks for hospitality. And the lady comes back with this incredibly bleak story. We're on last meal terms. We're on last meal terms. How can I feed you when we can't feed us? Sometimes as God's people, we go through this wilderness feel where we feel we can't give. 
I don't have enough to give. I'm empty. I'm dry. I dip the bucket in, but there's nothing to come up. But in such times, the word of the Lord comes and feeds. And the word of the Lord comes to Elijah to promise to this lady a most unusual catering phenomenon. And I'm sure many of us would love this to be the case in our cupboards. The ingredients for the bread mix never run out because of the providence and the provision and because of the word of the Lord who brings redemption, who brings safety to a widow who is on the edge of society and indeed on the edge of life. At the center of this passage is God's word. And it's not only the pulse of this narrative of the prophet Elijah and those he engages with, but is also the pulse of our lives. As the provision of God, the word declared and the response of faith shape every day. The word of God is the pulse. The word of God is the rhythm in which life takes place. And it's the word of God which should be our heartbeat. And it's food for thought. How has God guided you recently? And it's food for thought. How has God guided you recently that you weren't aware of? And it's food for thought. How is God guiding us this harvest time? How is God guiding us this harvest time? Not necessarily to go out and gather the nasturtiums or the sunflowers or the potatoes or the, the apples or, or the tomatoes, but to go out and share in the harvest of lives, the harvest of souls, the harvest of grace, the harvest prepared by the Lord. How has God guided you? And how is God continuing to guide you? Harvest is that special time of remembering that God is in control. Never forget that. It is God who is in control. His word is the first word. His word is the last word. And it is he who speaks through us one encounter at a time to share the good news of Jesus Christ so that the world may be redeemed by his love. Let's be still for a moment. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word, your word that is in abundance, your word that never switches off, your word which always guides and aids, your word which answers prayers through us to others, your word, Lord, which speaks the good news of Jesus Christ, your word which never, never fades. May your word, Lord, take deep root in our hearts this day and guide us in your steps evermore, we pray. Amen.